This morning, there was some big news. Steve Bannon, the former advisor to the president, was arrested as part of an online fraud scheme. Investigators say Bannon and three others, quote, orchestrated a scheme to defraud hundreds of thousands of donors to an online fundraiser, We Build the Wall. Which claimed that money was being used to help build a wall along the southern U.S. border. Well, now prosecutors say it was all a scheme. Prosecutors have accused Steve Bannon, a former Trump advisor, of helping to siphon off money from a nonprofit to pay personal expenses and fat salaries. Now, Bannon is facing years in prison. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, August 20th. Coming up on the show, the charges against Steve Bannon. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. The news of Bannon's arrest broke around 9 a.m. this morning. This really just came out of nowhere, as a lot of federal prosecutions and arrests do. But this one just really fell out of the sky without any warning at all. That's our colleague Ashby Jones. What happened this morning is arrests were made of four individuals, including Steve Bannon, and they were charged with two counts, one of wire fraud and one of money laundering. Bannon, the most well-known and prominent of the four, has been a really interesting figure throughout the Trump campaign and Trump presidency. He made a lot of money on Wall Street, very smart and shrewd guy, got involved with sort of right-leaning politics with a certain kind of bent to it, a populist bent. He was, by all accounts, very pivotal in helping sort of orchestrate and guide and, you know, provide a lot of strategy for the Trump campaign. And then once Trump was elected, Bannon played a key role as a senior advisor in the White House until the two seemed to have some sort of falling out and Mr. Bannon left. Since then, we understand that the two, Mr. Trump and Mr. Bannon, have not been in really close contact. Who else got arrested? Well, the three other folks who got arrested were much more minor players. The one that we should mention was a fellow named Brian Colfage, who was an Air Force veteran and is a triple amputee. Colfage was the founder of the group at the center of this indictment. The group is called We Build the Wall. And our colleague Elizabeth Findell has been following this organization since it started. This group, We Build the Wall, was founded in late 2018, really riding this wave of the sort of Trumpian push to wall the southern border, this idea that dangerous people are coming across the border all the time. Its purpose was to build a private border wall to allow citizens to contribute their own funds in order to help secure the U.S. border. 
What was their pitch to the donors? That ordinary citizens can come together and protect the United States, build the wall, help the government, and do it you know, better and faster than the government. We build the wall. They are extremely active on social media. And one of the main things they would do is they have uh, this guy who's involved in their organization who they call Foreman Mike, who will go out to these sites and take videos and act as though he is the construction foreman and say, you know, this is what we're doing out here today and we're building this. Our job never stops. We're back on the road again for you patriots. You can see the operations that are going on. We saw, you know, he often takes aim at immigrants and things like that. He'll say, like, we saw these people crossing the border. We saw smugglers. And he has a tremendous social media following. But he's not actually the construction foreman or involved in the construction whatsoever. What do we know about the donors who gave money to this group? They span the gamut. There were hundreds of thousands of donors. Some of them, I believe, were higher dollar donors, but the majority of them were just normal people who really believed in border security and were contributing $25, $50, There was a then seven-year-old boy in Austin who got headlines all over the country for holding a lemonade stand to try to raise money for this. So it was all different kinds of people all over the country. One promise Colfage made to each of those donors was that all of the money would go toward building the wall. He wouldn't take a salary. It was a volunteer effort. He said as much in videos on their GoFundMe page. And everyone who donates right now, your money goes towards this, this wall. 100% of your money goes towards the wall. It's not going to line someone's pocket. I'm taking zero dollars of the salary, no compensation. It's going towards the wall. The pitch worked. They raised more than $25 million. Their website says from about 500,000 donors. It raised more than $17 million on GoFundMe, which was at least at the time, the largest GoFundMe campaign ever in history. As the group grew, Colfage brought on a board of advisors. Those advisors included several big-name Republicans, including Steve Bannon. And when Bannon came in, prosecutors say he took control of day-to-day operations. And so this group gets all this money coming in. What do they do with it? They tweet all day long videos of Foreman Mike out at the wall, working on the wall, photos of the wall, news stories about the wall. They've worked on or contributed to two different projects so far, a stretch of about a half mile in Sunland Park, New Mexico, and a three-mile stretch in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, south of the city of Mission. The Texas stretch costs $40 million dollars. When did questions start to emerge about this group? I think because they raised money so quickly that some people had had questions from the beginning, but the state of Florida, where the nonprofit organization is based, launched a criminal investigation into them midway through last year. Since then, there have been more questions that have arisen with the construction of the wall in Texas because they had 
publicly claimed full credit for it. And then when it came out in court that they actually were not directly involved in it other than contributing one and a half million dollars, that surprised a lot of people. It surprised Elizabeth, too. So she decided to reach out to Colfage to ask him where all the money was. When I talked to him, I was asking him a lot of questions about the project's funding because it, at that point, had raised $25 million, but had only spent $10.5 million at most on these private walls. And I was trying to ask him where the rest of the money was going. And what did he say? Well, he said that they had a lot of legal costs. They had been sued in different places. He said that they had hosted events different places. I was asking him who was getting paid, and uh, he was talking around that a little bit. But he did say that the CFO of the organization was receiving a salary, but he said he himself was not. And now, prosecutors are alleging he might not have been receiving an official salary, but he was getting a secret one, $20,000 a month. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines, but are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work. Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier, too. Join Holly Robinson-Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. The question Elizabeth had about where the rest of the $25 million went? Today, prosecutors in New York say they found at least some of it. Prosecutors are claiming that Mr. Bannon and the others basically took the money and funneled the money through, at first, a nonprofit entity to sort of shield where the money was going, and then later to shield the $20,000 a month payments to Mr. Colfage They created a shell company. Later on, Mr. Colfage asked that the money go to his wife. And it's at that point when two other characters got involved, allegedly to help set up the shell company and to help devise other means to move the money around. How much money are we talking about? Well, they raised something in the neighborhood of like $25 million. But we're not talking about $25 million lining the pockets of Steve Bannon and Brian Colfage. For Colfage, we're talking more in the neighborhood of $300,000, $350,000 that were allegedly skimmed off the top. And for Bannon, it was more than that. It was allegedly closer to a million dollars. Where are prosecutors claiming that that money went? The indictment is a little hazy on where the money actually went, but it does mention a 
a couple of interesting tidbits. It mentions they're trying to seek forfeiture for a 2019 Jupiter marine boat called Warfighter and also a 2018 Land Rover Range Rover vehicle. Both of those items may have been purchased, allegedly, with proceeds of the scheme. And have the accused said anything in response to the suit and the arrests? We've reached out to Mr. Bannon and others and have not heard back. In the indictment, prosecutors cited text messages between some of the people arrested today and also sort of said that when the group found out that there was a potential federal investigation, they started concealing their actions. It seems like these are things prosecutors are using to try to show that the accused were aware of what they were doing. Exactly. That's well well said, and I'm glad you brought that up, Kate, because it is actually a really interesting part of the indictment. At one point, the indictment says, you know, at some point, the four defendants or some of them started getting wind that there may be law enforcement looking into what was going on, and they changed their tactics. They had been doing a lot of text messaging, and at that point, they switched to an encrypted messaging system and took other methods to conceal what they were doing. Of course, prosecutors, they start salivating because that to them signals that the defendants know what they were doing is wrong. What do you make of the timing of these arrests? Let me start here. I do think it's not at all surprising this this comes out of the Southern District of New York, which has proven to be a bit of a thorn in the side of Mr. Trump throughout the years. It has investigated the Trump administration. It brought charges against Michael Cohen, Mr. Trump's former lawyer and fixer. It looked into his inauguration. And recently, the U.S. attorney in Manhattan, in the Southern District of New York, Jeffrey Berman, was asked to step down and was relieved of his duties by the attorney general, Bill Barr. So there has been mounting tension between Mr. Trump and the Southern District of New York. So one could make an argument that says They wanted to move on this, possibly to showcase their independence from the Justice Department. We're going to do it before the election because we want people to know again about another character involved in Mr. Trump's orbit who was allegedly up to nefarious things, to criminal behavior. So the timing, you know, it comes right before the election. I should say, however, that Mr. Barr did review the indictment. So there was at least, you know, some indication that senior officials at the Department of Justice knew about this and that they didn't object when it was presented to them. Do you think it means anything that it's coming just days before the Republican convention? Prosecutors often, if you ask them this on the record, they will say, of course not. This is just when everything came together. This was the right moment to do this. At the same time, I think if you administer truth serum to prosecutors, they will acknowledge that Other factors definitely play in. It certainly could be that the Republican National Convention is on the minds of folks and that, hey, let's bring this, let's let this, you know, sink in and possibly be a black eye leading into the Republican Convention next week. Given that Bannon and Trump have sort of fallen out, do you think this will have any ramifications for Trump? The White House has already said this was a Steve Bannon thing. Uh, I know nothing about the project other than I didn't like, when I read about it, I didn't like it. I said, this is for government, this isn't for private people. 
and it sounded to me like showboating, and I think I... The events that allegedly took place were after Mr. Bannon left the White House. At the same time, the whole effort to fund the wall was born out of an effort to help the Trump administration get this get this thing done, which was that this thing was a very central plank of his campaign and was you know something that a lot of people who voted for him were hoping he could get done. So the two, the build the wall and Mr. Bannon are still viewed as being closely tied to or interconnected with Mr. Trump. And so what happens from here? Yeah, so the case where we go from today is we'll have a lot of wrangling over bail, and then, you know, it'll move ahead like a regular criminal case. Typically, trial dates are set, you know, a year or so out, maybe longer if it's an incredibly complicated case. This one doesn't appear to be incredibly complicated, just reading the indictment. So they'll set a trial date for 2021, I would imagine. And, um, you know, it might go to trial. We might have a plea before that. But this is unlikely to resolve before the election. This afternoon, Bannon appeared by video in federal court. He pleaded not guilty to both charges and was released on bail of $5 million. He's due back in court at the end of the month. That's all for today, Thursday, August 20th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Corinne Ramey and Rebecca Ballhouse. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.